You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Brilliant, yet pointless. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Beard to the lane with a left hand back heel, and it through. James Harden is unconscious in the third quarter. Giving out left corner, Paul for a C, P, three. And the Rockets have hit 90. James is straight away, on away three-pointer, another one. The Beard, unbelievable. Ten field goals, four threes, and he's got 31. I say, I mean, I'm, we're biased because we're all friends with Matt Thomas now because he used to be at AM 1500 and it's on our show. I love those calls. Yeah, they're good. They're very he, solid. I, it's too bad it wasn't like Wolves threes that were that he was calling, but there were only a few no, of them to count last night. He's a very solid play-by-play guy. He's good. Wolves vent lines are open. We're going to get to Brandon here in just a second. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Dan emails. Our buddy Dan Chang emails the show. Listening to your show while sitting along the ocean at Emerald Isle, North Carolina. This Wolves talk is messing with my chi. <laughs> Yes, we, it should be. We need to sign a ton of shooters this offseason and send Towns and Wiggins to the science lab and take some of Towns' emotion and stuff it into Wiggins so Towns is less of a super emotional psycho out there <laughs> and Wiggins isn't comatose for 70 games each season. Then all will be right in Wolves' world. <laughs> I agree. That's a good idea. If you could do it, it's a hell of an idea. <laughs> like Towns, there was a play, and this is another area where Towns needs to grow up fast. I think it was in the first quarter, or actually, it might have no, it might have been um, no, it, yeah, it was one of his, it was one of his two fouls early. He goes up for a dunk, and defender goes straight up, just straight up, you know, arms in the air. And Towns, anticipating contact, reaches out with his left arm and grabs the arm of the defender and pushes it away and gets called for an offensive foul, obvious yeah. offensive foul. Yep, that's saw. And instead of just shrugging his shoulders oh, like, no, yeah, I got to no, he melted he down. He freaked out. He it's melted like, down and got pulled. Have some self awareness. But yeah. he also in in the fourth when when the game was done he got mad and chucked his mouth guard, and a guy wearing a jersey in the stands caught it and was thrilled. Would you keep a mouth guard freshly taken from a person's mouth and thrown Ooh. into the stands? I'm probably not actively looking to catch it. Guy Unless it's coming at my face and I just accidentally Wiggins catch jersey it. caught it and was absolutely thrilled. Like he was <laughs> Did he put it in his mouth right oh, after. Okay, that's the same thing. He you probably put right, came, just put it right in your mouth. He probably the full came experience. close. I'm not kidding you guys. He was like celebrating. I caught the mouth guard. It's like, dude, that, that's so that's gross. Just in a guy's mouth. I don't think I'd want that. Well, it's also like when players will give away their shoes after a game. Like, wait a second. You've had these on for about four hours now, and you probably were sweating for all four of those hours. I don't. Think I don't I, know if I want those shoes. I'd much rather have shoes than something from a person's mouth, which is a disgusting, <laughs> infested area. I think that's really, really, and the guy was going, the guy was like jumping up and down. I caught the mouth guard. It's like, what do you do? Do you put it in? Do they have like, they have a case for a baseball. Do you, do you put it in a display case? No clue. Do you try to get him to sign it at training camp next year or something? A cat. What do you do with it? Yeah. Come here. I got your mouth guard. What is this? It's your mouth guard. That's right. 
Do you remember, I've preserved the saliva. Do you remember game four last year when you tossed it in the stands? <laughs> could and you, I was in my Wiggins jersey. Could you pour the saliva into like a little uh, little container and freeze it? The saliva freeze. I think I take. Probably does, I right? think if I was a fan and a guy took off his shoes, because then I could just sort of carry him from the bottom. I think I'd take the shoes. I would. I think I'd let the mouth guard See, fall. These are the things you talk about when the Rockets put up fifty points in a damn quarter against was, your basketball team. Good quarter. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Brandon Wolves Vent Line. Go ahead. Hey man, I appreciate you guys taking my phone call. Um, I, I have uh, more of a comment than I, I kind of want to pose a question to you guys and uh, see what you would think of it. Uh, my 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 comment here is more along the lines of. And I'm sure it's been said by many people on your show, but uh, how poor of an in-game adjuster as a coach Tibbs is. And, and, and to me, you watch the game on, on FSN, and you, you hear Jim Pete talk about how you know you have to play Houston small. That's the way you beat them, and you're able to rotate on these pick-and-rolls with smaller players who are able to get to the spot quicker. The Wolves' big men, they're jumpers. They jump at everything. I mean, the pump fake gets them almost every single time. It, it, it amazed me almost to an effect that, you know, Tips didn't go into halftime saying, okay, Derrick Rose is playing the best basketball he's played in three or four years in this game. He played, he, you know, people love to hate him, but he's played relatively well this entire series. And in game three, and then, you know, again, last night, the kids played really, really well. And Jamal Crawford was actually making shots last night. It struck me that they should have thought of going, you know, Towns, Wiggins, Butler, Rose, and Teague, or Crawford and Teague earlier because there were so many wide-open three-pointers that the Rockets hit in that third quarter. Yes, James Harden did his thing, and he's going to, you know, just like game one. He went off for 44 points, and the Rockets missed their shots. But I felt like the Wolves played a little better of defense in game one. I mean, it's... Yeah, pretty easy to score fifty points when you're getting wide open three after wide open three. Yes, and Brandon, Brandon, thank you for the phone call. I mean, if if you're sitting there watching that third quarter and your response is, "Well, I mean, they just like this is kind of what the Rockets said after the game while well, we just got hot." It's more than that. That's when it's not just we got hot. It's a combination of defensive meltdowns, refusing to adjust those those high screen and rolls. If you can watch as a fan on your couch and wonder, why are the Wolves going underneath on the high screen and roll on a regular basis only to allow an extra five feet for on James Harden to, you know, to launch a three? Yeah. Um, to, to Brandon's first question about Tom Thibodeau in-game adjustments, I'm going to go deep on you here. I'm going to bring a quote from Gandhi, okay? It's actually on my – it's a quote that I have on my Facebook page as, like, the featured okay. uh, All uh, right. image. So, okay. When you talk – you are only repeating what you know, but when you listen, you learn something. How often during a game is Tom Thibodeau quietly observing and listening to assistant coaches, to players? How often is he sitting and observing what's happening right now as opposed to yelling or bitching to the referees in some form? I mean, does he even really allow himself time to soak in what's happening, to observe? to listen, to take in information, and then maybe adjust the strategy on the fly? It's an honest question. How can you properly make in-game adjustments and and observe the way that you should if you're constantly bellowing and screaming for two and a half hours? First off, I guess I have no clue how he absorbs information and things. Like, I can't tell with him. Uh, The 
Other thing, though, to go back to what we've discussed before, Phil, is this. My my perception of Tibbs is, and th- this is a flaw, he thinks his system should work, so he doesn't want to ha- have to adjust it. And I realize that's not the answer. That's not a good thing. I'm not defending it. That's my perception. I think he thinks because in post games he always talks about, you know, we weren't gritty enough and we didn't do this and we didn't do that. And essentially, I think his message is if they do what I tell them to do, it's going to work. But this comes back to the fact that I don't think I've ever heard him once in, in a post game after a loss this mm-hmm. season say, you know what? That was on me. I feel like last night's game was had very little to do with like the the grit things, playing hard and grit and we didn't play hard for 48 minutes. Those are very surface level cliche things. The most amazing stat from last night, on the surface, looks like a point for the Wolves, but it was actually a philosophical gap between the Wolves and the Rockets that led to a blowout. The amazing stat is that the Wolves shot 46% from the field, and the Rockets shot 43% from the field. The Wolves had a better shooting night, percentage-wise, than the Rockets, and they were still down by 30 going into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. So... That shows you right there, the hey, the Wolves actually shot, like, for the shots they were trying to get, which are mostly two-point shots and hand-in-face, difficult isolation situations, they actually performed well within the strategy they were implementing. Then the Rockets Here's just have a better big-picture strategy. Here's my question for you. Through three games in one half, were the Wolves truly playing great defense, or were, were the Rockets simply jacking up threes, which they're going to do, they're not going to stop, and they weren't really falling. Both. because They played good defense in Game 3, but both. Because in that third quarter, they basically, their philosophy was going to be, we're going to continue to shoot this shot. And it might be stubborn, but we're not going to stop. And and I think their philosophy is eventually it's just going to fall. Right. But, like, of course, like you should continue to shoot that shot. You shoot that sure. shot at near a 40% clip on the year, and you've got the MVP on your team. And, like, it's it's also... There's a lot of variance in, like, if you keep taking that shot, you're shooting it from 25 feet away, so you're going to go through stretches where you just don't put a round ball into a cylinder from 25 feet. But eventually, the statistics that bared out over 82 games are going to come back in this series. And they did last night, all of them in the third quarter. 651-646-8255. Hey, Jake, you're on Wolves Ventline with Mackie and Judd. Yes, sir. Good show. Listen, um, a couple things, like three things. The first thing is, if you look at some of the teams from the past who really, you know, had really good runs, they always implemented some veterans that they made trades for. So I think the Derrick Rose thing is a wise thing. You know, he he, he was injured for a couple of years, but he's going to make a difference at least for a couple of seasons. And then the second thing is we weren't having this conversation for 14 years. So you got to give the guy some credit. You know, that's a good thing. And then probably lastly is this town is used to winning. Not everybody's winning. All the professional teams are really doing well. Um, but at the same time, and you got to give Tibbs uh, some time because this team, you know, i got friends all over the world, Canada, Africa, everywhere, all over, all over this country, and they always think the Wolves are still an expansion team. It seems they're <laughs> <off forever. laughs> That's something. And, uh, and they just always, oh, yeah, the Wolves, yeah, aren't they like new? No, they're not new. Yeah. And so so it's always been a work in progress. So I'm just saying, give the guys a chance to jail. They got some great young players. They just haven't really, a lot of them guys didn't go to college or they went to college for a year. 
So give them guys a couple of years in the pros, and once they learn how what it's like, you know, they're having a great time right now. They got a lot of money, women, all that kind of stuff. When that comes to stuff becomes secondary, and it's about winning, watch out for the Wolves in about three or four years, guys. You know, that's an optimistic call from Jake. We appreciate the optimism on the show. Women, I don't know yeah. if I want Derek Rose around for a couple seasons, but, you know, we agree to disagree. Let's take, we'll get to Tom and uh, any other Wolves vent line calls, and also maybe some seller's remorse on a former Wolves point guard that's been ridiculous in the postseason. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. Uh, Rose is out of the box and off to the races. Reggie Rose has been terrific in this series. Rose picked up by the day. A three. Oh! Reggie Rose continues to hit these shots. Another three. This time it will get the roll right through. Reggie Paul with a nice shot right there. It's a, it's a, there's Paul. a comma. He needs to. You it's need another that comma. brother. There's Chris. There's Cliff and Reggie. That's what it is. I figured it out. It's like the. It's like a better version of the Ball Brothers. Yes, exactly. Which isn't hard to do. Oh man, it wasn't the only thing too. I was watching the whole thing on TNT last night. So that you had the Reggie Rose Reggie Paul thing where it's like he's talking to Reggie Miller and he's not putting a comma between the words, but. At one point, you had Reggie Miller calling Ricky Rubio Marco Rubio, and then Kevin Harlan about ten seconds later said, "You know, now you may disagree with the politics of Marco Rubio, but maybe not the politics of Ricky Rubio, who I think you meant." Like he kind of, but then Reggie Miller responds with, "Yeah, I mean, I, did, I didn't mean the senator of Florida or the governor, the senator." I'm all over the place. <laughs> Politics isn't my thing. Uh, Wolves vent line, 651-646-8255. Uh, let's take one here. Tom's been on hold. All right, Tom, go ahead. Wolves in the 3-1 hold. You're on. Yeah, guys, thanks for taking my call. I love your program. First thanks, time man. caller. Thanks, um, man. I am going to be a little more pessimistic than the last caller. I'm not in the same camp that he is. I think Thibodeau's had more than enough time to get these young stars to gel and to play good, solid, um, consistent basketball. You guys do a great job of, uh, you know, taking apart the X's and O's and the breakdowns on both offense and defense. So I'm not going to go there. I have one thought that I have not heard anybody talk about, and that is, I think, my own personal view that, the uh, individual players on the Wolves don't respect their coach. And uh, I, I base that off of uh, what I see mostly on television uh, when they show Thibodeau on the side. He's he's a whiner and complainer and, um, it, you know, it's a crybaby. And, uh, and then the body language of the players, both uh, timeouts and uh, coming to the bench and so on and so forth, I'm just wondering if they haven't um, lost any respect for the coach and therefore are not motivated to play that like they could. I'll hang up and let you comment. Thanks, Thanks Tom. Appreciate it. I don't think it's – I don't know if, if respect is the right word. I do think that in this day and age with the way that athletes are wired, when you yell constantly, a very small fraction of, of them are going to stay engaged consistently. Yeah. Like I think with Butler it works, and I think Butler likes it. But he's not the norm. The way he plays is not normal. The way he's wired is certainly not. 
Uh, so to Tom's point, I think if you're talking about young players like Towns, I think he's probably right. I think when I think there probably comes a point in time where when Tibbs starts to yell, which he does constantly, but basically during games at least, it becomes white noise, yeah. and that's it. I agree. I think Nothing it's, more. I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't. He he rubs people the wrong way. It's look at look at the trail in Chicago. Now along that path, he connects very closely with some other people. It's it's. There's a wide range of relationships that Tom Thibodeau has has either built or ruined, you know, whatever you want to say on the on the bottom end. Jimmy Butler connects with him. Taj Gibson connects with him. Derrick Rose would take a bullet for Tom Thibodeau. Um, the, so, so I think, and and Tom, instead of maybe looking at other players who are available, whether it's in free agency or during the season, he's looking for that comfortable connection that he's already built. And so Derrick Rose is a good example. And now last night, notwithstanding, because Derrick Rose had a great game last night. He was like 7 of 11 from the field, and he scored 17 points, and he was super active. And like every player on the roster should be as active and engaged as Derrick Rose was last night. So I'm not, I'm not ripping Derrick Rose last night. But Derrick Rose, big picture as a player, especially post-surgery, he's not an efficient, productive player really anymore. He'll show you flashes like that once in a while, but he's not a good defender. Again, last night he was great. But big picture, he's not a great defender. Big picture, he can't shoot. He shoots like 25% from three. So in today's NBA, Derrick Rose is actually a detriment to most teams, especially a team that already has a bunch of ball-centric players. But Tom Thibodeau prioritizes his connection with Derrick Rose over a fit that might be better basketball-wise. And that's an indictment. If he's not able to go out, whether it's an Andrew Wiggins or a Towns, guys that have already been drafted and were part of the organization, or like a Chris Dunn, who he drafted, or Justin Patton, who played five minutes this season for the Wolves, and part of that was injuries and and because he's raw. If Tom Thibodeau can't take players he's never connected with before, and not only build a connection, but also use them in the way that they should be used, that's a huge indictment as a front office guy and a coach. And I think there's some legit questions in that area. And but Butler is is an oddity in this sense. Butler is a self-made player, and he works his ass off, and... Butler at heart is a grinder, though he's not. He's not at heart a star. He's turned himself into a star, but Tibbs doesn't love him because of that. Tibbs loves him because he's a guy who was a late round draft pick who will play as long as as you you want him to. I mean, you look at his knee right now. He probably shouldn't be playing. Last night he just kept playing, and so Tibbs gets these guys and he loves them, and that's great. But I guess my question is this. Do you feel like on, on the current roster, beyond the Bulls guys that he's brought on, that, that he's built connections with players? Because I don't see that. I see that with with Butler for sure and Rose for sure and Gibson to a certain degree. But do you see the young players now and say that there's a connection being built there, which which I, I know to veteran sports fans might seem cliched, but I think in this day and age it's necessary. Yeah, oh, well, for sure it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's not 1980 anymore right. where you can just go Bob Knight on and you everybody. you can't just yell at the entire team the whole yeah. time and expect them to pay attention. They're not going to care. They're going to tune you yeah. out. Well, Ricky Rubio was a guy. That, that Obviously, Tom Thibodeau, let's transition into this, too. Tom Thibodeau identified Ricky Rubio as the first guy off the, the boat, right? When he took over that job, and it, it, he let him play for a, a year. He was trying to trade him before that, yeah. yes. And then eventually, eventually traded him. In fact, there were some rumors he was trying to trade him in a package for Jimmy Butler, and it wound up being, you know, it worked out differently, but um, I think the Wolves should have not necessarily seller's remorse on Ricky Rubio 
you know, based on like I don't think they should have seller's remorse because they didn't put Ricky Rubio with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Rubio is in a great situation right now. He's got a bunch of three point shooters around him in Utah. He's got Joe Ingles as one of the best shooters in the league. Donovan Mitchell. It's a bunch. Like Rubio can go over there. His personality isn't overshadowed by a bunch of grizzled veterans and a hollering coach. It's more of a collective system that's winning in Utah, and it's elevating guys. Like Donovan Mitchell is a great talent, but he's being elevated by a system and. And Quinn Snyder has emerged as one of the best coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of like, would Ricky Rubio be a better fit for the Wolves, you know, versus Jeff Teague? Should they have buyer's remorse? Not necessarily in that regard. I think, or seller's remorse. Should the Wolves regret the fact that they weren't able to get the same thing out of Rubio that the Jazz are getting out of him right now? Yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. They should regret that. And he's gone now, so I think that. The question becomes this: What can be learned from this, and and more importantly, long term, do you trust Tibbs to build this team in the right direction, or is he going to continue to trade away potentially guys and or not not have guys work out who are going to go elsewhere and be successful? Yeah. Is is this the first of a cautionary tale to which Taylor should say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 this is not a good thing"? Yeah. Well, here's where it's complicated because. The Jazz and other teams that would have had interest in Rubio looked at Rubio and said, he either fits perfectly with what we're trying to do or like we can play to his strengths. Let's let's create lineup combinations and let's let's kind of play to his strengths and build a team or skill sets around him. And he's also improved as a shooter too, which helps. Right, but you're gonna showcase his talents. And the Wolves looked at him and Tom Thibodeau and said well, here's what I want to build, yes. and I want Jimmy Butler over here, and I don't disagree with that. Jimmy Butler's awesome, and Ricky Rubio doesn't fit what I want to build over here. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna get rid of him. It's complicated because what the Wolves have built without Rubio is a playoff team that won just as many games as the Jazz did, basically, and a team that you know if they didn't have Jimmy Butler sidelined for a third of the season, probably would have finished with more wins than the Jazz did in the Western Conference. So I don't think Ricky Rubio blossoms in Minnesota with this current personnel around him, the way that he did in Utah. It helps a lot when you can sling a pass across the court and Joe Ingles is there lining up a three-pointer seven times a game. Does the philosophy of of this team and what Tibbs wants to do and the personnel he has, does that mesh into what's going to be a long-term winning basketball team no that, that's going that's going to compete <laughs> no. that's going to compete with the top teams in the western conference which can rain down threes and the answer is no no and because it's and like, the answer it's, is no it's a hundred percent dependent on cashing in right now with jimmy butler in the next well he's got one year but left that's in what contract. i think you look at now and say this has to be a concern you can't you can't just dismiss this and be like it'll be fine he'll bring in because he's not changing he's unless, not going to change unless they trade wiggins for Kawhi or lebron then it's game on See LeBron James getting yelled at by Tibbs. Oh, no, I think I think LeBron James might have a say in who the next coach is. It's possible that Tibbs makes that actually makes you know that trade is. and then eventually gets fired. President of, of Basketball Ops, LeBron James. <laughs> Would that really be the worst thing at this point? <laughs> no, it probably wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know. It's it's sort of depressing to watch Rubio do what he's doing and beating up on. Oklahoma City. Although Russell Westbrook last night, I watched the first half, and Westbrook definitely paid off his promise of shutting that bleep down in the first half. But in that process, he committed four fouls. What's going on with him? Well, he's a spaz. He's a Tasmanian devil. Seriously, like he's he's a great individual <laughs> like a talent. Grader. He's a great individual talent who does very little to elevate the teammates around him. I mean, 
Russell Westbrook is maybe the most individually talented and athletic. Like the guy can grab 15 rebounds and dish assists, but like last night, he's just barreling out of control for two and a half hours because he's got an ego and a vendetta against Ricky Rubio. And there it is. Now they're down three games to one. So, Dave, you got some questions for us when we come back here? I sure do. I have a series of true false questions that I'm going to ask you guys to take stands on some very important issues. Okay. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You guys are all encompassing. Mackey and Judd. You can listen to this for a little bit of pop culture, a little Correct. bit of uh, what's hip in the city. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave Harrigan here with some questions for us. Judd Zolgad, let's fire this up. All or at least most of these will be true-false questions, gentlemen, and I would simply like to get a true or false from you and then please expand on that answer if you would. So let's start with a topic we just wrapped up on. Ricky Rubio. Rubio. Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is a better NBA point guard than Jeff Teague. True or false? Oh, they're so even, but different paths to get there. I'm going to say true. I'm going to concede that and say true. Obviously dependent on surroundings. Like, look look what Rubio's been doing. Now, regular season, he was only 13 points a game and the assists were down, but his shooting has gotten better. And when he's able to... Th- when he was with the Wolves, there was a lot of times where he would sling a pass to somebody. He'd dribble around and sling a pass to someone wide open for a three-pointer, and it's like Derek Clang. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's Joe Ingles yep. and two or three other guys that can that can chuck it. So um, it's not it, like on some nights, like Jeff Teague in game three was awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some times where I, I need someone just someone to dominate and score. And Jeff Teague can distribute what he wants to. But if you're asking me if I could take a point guard and then kind of build it out around him. I mean, Ricky Rubio in today's game, he can find open three point shooters. Just the Wolves, the Wolves don't choose to play that way. So. Uh, I will say false because of this. If Rubio uh, could show a consistent, and I mean a long, long time period where, where he can shoot successfully, then the answer is true, but he won't. He won't, and this is a great little snapshot right now, and I'm glad for the little guy that he's playing well. That's fantastic. Um, but in the NBA today, I want a guy that can come down the floor at point guard and hit threes. If this is 1996 again... He's great, but I want a guy that can knock down a three consistently, and Rubio is going to always go through these long stretches where, where he can't. So good for him right now, but I say false. So you, I'm sorry, you called him the little guy. He's six foot four. I feel like he's a little <laughs> he's guy. He's taller than you. I feel like I feel like he's a little guy at heart, though. Yeah, you just like talking down to people. I feel like he's a little guy at heart. Get <laughs> <laughs> Rubio. I feel like he's a little guy at heart. That's, than that's, than that's all I'm going to say. He's like he's like a half foot taller than you. I are. still feel. Don't you feel? But he's got that little head. I feel like he's a little guy. A little head? He does. He's got a small head. I'm dead serious. Well, he's got hair everywhere now. He's got so that little... He does. He has a little head. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. Yeah. I don't. He's a good-looking guy. In attractive fair, In fairness to Ricky Rubio, this is where your narrative is is fading. And, fading, but... And, like, it's okay to change an opinion on someone who's improved. Like, here's Ricky Rubio from 16 feet to the three-point line the last several years. So, four, five years ago, he shot 31% from that range. Three years ago, he shot 38% from that range. 
two years ago, 43% from that range. This year, 46% from that range. Mm -hmm. So he's consistently getting better shooting. Uh, Three-point percentage, he was just a little bit below, or maybe like right on league average, 35%. He was like a league average three-point shooter this year, which is way up from 2014-15 when he was shooting like 25%. So... He deserves credit. He's become a much better shooter. It still looks like an old man jump shot, but he's become a much better shooter. And that's not just like over the last two weeks. It's been a progressive build uh, the last few years. So he deserves some credit. Rubio's sub-question. Talk about the guy he's competing against directly in this series. Ricky Rubio's a more valuable NBA point guard than Russ Westbrook. True or false? Well, it's got to be true right now, right? Boy. So who would you rather build a team around? Ricky Rubio, because look, look at the people are going to drive off the road. Russell Westbrook is a Tasmanian devil of individual performance. Someone just tweeted in a comparison to like Allen Iverson back in the day where he's a volume scorer. He's just out there. If you watch the game last night, he's, he's not even looking at teammates half the time. He's just barreling into the lane. I think Russell Westbrook, because of how much money he makes and because of how much he dominates the ball and how little the rest of his teammates even really matter. Like you can swap them all out and they don't win. Like they're going to get bounced in the first round again with Paul George and a couple of them, Steven Adams, at least with Rubio, you can build it out and you can build out strategy around him. You can't really build out strategy around Westbrook. It's that's a really good question. Russ Westbrook's the more Westbrook's the better individual talent. Rubio, is the better team fit in most situations. I'll take my chances with uh, Westbrook. I'll take my chances there. You say that so condescendingly. No, no, no. I just said I'll take my chances with with Westbrook. I'm not saying it condescendingly whatsoever. You I said, just said I'll take my chances I'll with take Westbrook. My chances with, with like Westbrook. your eyes closed. No, no, I did not. My eyes were open. <laughs> I was looking at Dave. You couldn't even see me. Dave, was it condescending? It was not condescending. I was not trying to be condescending whatsoever. You know, Russell Westbrook is actually an inch shorter than Ricky Rubio. Why isn't he the little guy? They're both little guys right now. White <laughs> guys are little guys. Does Russ have a big just, head, small head? Do you know? That I don't Figuratively know. Figuratively very large. That I don't know, but yes. <laughs> All right, true or false, for this stretch run of the regular season slash playoffs, despite what you said, despite how it felt at the time, picking up Derrick Rose was a good move for the Timberwolves. I'm going to say that is um, false. I think it's counterproductive to the long-term health of this franchise to bring in a guy like that. And he had a good... Anything to push your narrative. Go ahead. Listen... He had he had a nice game last night, okay? And there were moments where Twitter was right. It felt like 2009. That was great. But I want to I want Tibbs to be building a team around players who are going to be incorporated and get valuable experience for the long term, and I don't think Derrick Rose is going to be here long term. If he is, he's not going to be I don't think healthy. Uh so I I still don't see a lot of upside in a franchise that's going to be one and done in the playoffs, giving playing time to a guy who's really not going to be any type of long-term fit here. Um, I mean, this is, I guess if this segment is all about whether you're able to admit that you were wrong or not, then I say, what was your question again? It was uh, for the stretch run of this season, end of the regular season and playoffs, Derek Rose, despite what you said and believed at the time, it was the right move to grab him. It was the right move to grab him. And I'll and for this reason, I I actually think he harmed them in the regular season portion of like ten games that he played more often than he helped them because he was just like he was just out there shooting every time he got the ball and he still does that in the postseason. He's just been better at it in the last few games. I think it's a good signing because he, much like Jimmy Butler, 
shows Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and Tyus Jones, who was out last night. Those are really the only young players the Wolves have. It's not, it's not a young team. It's a veteran team with like three young players. But Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, and Derrick Rose are showing those guys, even if their performances are flawed, this is the level at which you have to try and run. And like Derrick Rose is playing like it's game seven of the NBA Finals out there, even if he's a shell of his former self. And even if he's an inefficient shooter and takes dumb shots from long two, I think his presence is kind of showing Wiggins, hey, dude, you got to pick it up a little bit here. This is intense. This is the NBA playoffs. Rose, sub-question. If it was agreed upon and Rose bought into, I'm going to play 15, maybe 20 minutes per game, and that's it next year. Is that good for the Wolves? Oh. No. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. You End can't it. do it. End it. You can't End do it. it. It was great in 2009. I don't want more Bulls coming back. Jimmy Butler's a great acquisition, all right? And Gibson has fit in very, very well. But beyond that, we don't need a Chicago reunion here. You need, if you're going to build something, build something new. Under these circumstances, the answer would be yes, under these circumstances. If he guaranteed 15 minutes max and he was cool with it, if he made the veterans minimum so he wasn't hogging up a bunch of your money, which, like, he's not going to agree to either one of these terms. Yep. And if the rest of your roster didn't have a bunch of me-first, ball-hog, Jamal Crawford, Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins. You have to say goodbye to like two of those guys so that at least you've got, I don't know, you've got, you don't need six guys running isolation on your roster. And that's what's happening. So, so he's not going to want, he's not going to agree to those terms. So ultimately, no. I love a judge just pained by these questions. He's struggling so much. I'm anti Derrick Rose, but I'm willing to admit, like, there are some. He's brought some positives. I enjoy the Derrick Rose. I just know no more. All right. Wild question to wrap this up. Craig Leopold said this is not a rebuild. This is not a rebuild. Let's call it a retool then for uh, whoever the new general manager is. True or false? A new wild GM can retool this group of wild stiffs into a group that can make a Stanley Cup Finals. I like the ed- editorial on the question. Should we answer that when we come back? Sure. Okay. Stiffs. Mackie and Judd, let's talk. Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. All right, fire, fire that third question out again. For uh, third question, new Wild GM is not going to be asked to rebuild, but we'll call it retool mm-hmm. this group of bums, this group of stiffs, this group of clowns that keeps getting knocked out in the first round every year. I love clowns. I, I know love that you term. do. That's my favorite. I'm going to get out of Judd's way here and answer first. I think the answer is probably no. Yes, it's true or false. Is that possible to get, retool the, this roster into a Stanley Cup? say, finals contender. I think you have too many no-move clauses and aging players making a lot of money. I mean, I think you can get it to the Western Conference Finals or I just, I don't know. You'd have to be a wizard to make it work without trading old albatross players. So, unfortunately, I'm going to say no. You know what I'm going to? I'm going positive. I'm going it's true. And here's how. There, it, it, now, this is going to take some work, but it's true because of this. Number one, you you begin, you come in and immediately shop the subgroup that Fletcher liked so much. Coyle, Granlin, Niederreiter, Spurgeon. Number two, you're going to need then the Greenway group and Cunning to, to develop quickly, but there's an outside chance, or there's a chance that could certainly happen. 
And then to go back to what we talked about with Collar in hour one is you always have that group of teams that's willing to make stupid trades. And if you can exploit them, so if you can go to Montreal or the Islanders or the Oilers with Granlund, and they're like, oh, Granlund's fantastic. Really? You'll trade us Granlund? Granlund? We'll trade you a a first-round draft pick, and we'll trade you this top six forward. And I know that sounds crazy, and in most sports it wouldn't happen, but the National Hockey League, it can so, yes, if a person comes in and can, can punch all the right buttons, because I'll go back to what I've said before. Parisi and Suter can be very productive passengers. I just think, I think if you go into training camp saying, oh, we signed Parisi and Suter to 13-year contracts, and damn it, they can still win the Stanley Cup by themselves with, with other people being passengers, that's misguided. But Parisi and Suter can be good players still. What makes you think they're going to be okay with a passenger or secondary they role don't even, on the team? They don't even know it. They don't They don't even realize it. But Suter, and Suter can be, if he comes back from this broken ankle, he can be very productive. He'll see himself as a driver, but we will quickly see that, that if you do this right, there will be a group of players who are better than him. So you're saying but he you... won't even know it. It's not like you're going to say, hey, Ryan, you're, you're a passenger. Will just realize that he's a passenger on the show. So he's like he's like he's driving the car, but it's one of those drivers ed cars where you have, exactly. you have like a twenty six year old stud center sitting in the back. Se- exa- uh-huh, yes, I'm actually pumping the brake right now for you because you're, yes, but you're Ryan, too old to see the stop sign. Yes, yeah. but Ryan thinks he's driving, and you know what? There's no need to tell him he's not. <laughs> Same thing with Zach. It's like you guys are doing great. You're fantastic. It's time for lunch. Time to take your gums out. Time to take your teeth out, boys. I, I, I don't know what's going on here. I just This isn't like it used to be with the devils. They don't even need to know that they've been checked into senior assistants, okay? But they can still help. Time them. to take your gums out. Time to take your... Hey, Grandpa Ryan, Grandpa Zach, it's time for your nap while your number one center does his thing. They won't even remember the names of the coaches pretty soon. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because they'll still believe they're prolific and they'll live in the good old days and that's how you win your Stanley Cup. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. All right, gentlemen, we're going to wrap this show up with one of Dave Harrigan's favorite mock draft websites. We've got a fresh one. From WalterFootball.com. Walter Football. Wally Football chiming in. And there's a a couple different mockers on WalterFootball.com. This one is Charlie Campbell, senior draft analyst. That's right. He's a senior draft analyst. Charlie Campbell. The drafts are always mm -mm good. Wow. That one sit there for a second. That was pretty good. (laughs) All right. Charlie Campbell. Warming things up with the number one pick to the Cleveland Browns, Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. I'd say he's got a noodle arm. (laughs) Number two overall to the New York Giants, Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Number three, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, sensing a trend here. Number four overall to the Browns. Yep, they take another quarterback. No, they take Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State. Uh, None of these other guys matter. Let's go to number 30 overall to the Minnesota Vikings, according to senior draft analyst Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. Cornerback, Central Florida, Mike Hughes. I want to mock. Mock! I want to mock. 
According to the write-up, Mike Zimmer is always inclined to draft cornerbacks early, and this is a great fit with a cover corner for his defense. Vikings need a replacement for Terrence Newman. Assuming Trey Waynes pans out, Xavier Rhodes, Waynes, and Hughes form an excellent trio. Some teams have given him a second-round grade, though, which could be a problem. Is Charlie Campbell employed year-round in this job, do you think? Do you think he pulls down a full-time salary from this job? I hope so. It's a seven-round mock, by the yeah, way. He better. That takes time. How long do you think he's been working on this one? There's write-ups for everyone in the second round. Okay. Long time. In fact... Just curious. Wait, there's more. I want a mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this is a seven-rounder. Okay. This is, this is all seven round, rounds here. You're on employment. These pages take forever to load because he's writing full, like, four-paragraph analysis for every player drafted here. All right. Uh, where do the Vikings draft in the third round? Probably late, right? Yeah. All yeah. Right. The page isn't even loading. But I can tell you the Bills at 65, according to Charlie Campbell, senior draft analyst, they're going to take Martinez Rankin, offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Okay. I want a mock! Mock! He's quick, athletic, and has a good build. Still loading. He's uh, he's uh, he's he's strong and gets sometimes gets knocked on the ground too much, <laughs> and will get pushed around in the NFL. But the Bills are but, fine with that apparently. Why they, then why do they want the stuff? The Bills are fine with it. According to like Charlie to say, Campbell, senior draft analyst, as Dave says, that clown. Why would you want that clown? But maybe he's mocking that the Bills themselves are clowns. It's an accurate mock. Then. I hope a team gets tricked into drafting a fake player because of some of these mock drafts. That That's what I would do if Charlie I were Charlie Campbell the third senior analyst. Yeah. Bye. Right, we're back tomorrow. Jason Walgrave here with REMAX Advantage Plus and the Minnesota Real Estate Team. The number one real estate team in Minnesota, the number one REMAX team on the planet and host of Minnesota Home Talk on Saturday mornings. We have a lot of free stuff, folks, at minnesotahometalk.com. Free list of non-MLS hot deals, free market analysis on your home or investment property, free home search tools, free reports on buying, selling, and investing in real estate, free mortgage pre-approval. Check us out online at minnesotahometalk.com. That's minnesotahometalk.com. 